Just a heads up, this episode has audio of gunshots from historical film and mention of rape. Welcome back to In the Know. I'm Luke Diamond. And I'm Tiffany Bowie. Uh, do we have any Thanksgiving plans, Tiff? Um, a lot of pie. Oh, but you're like getting to do a celebration with your family. Probably, or just like a celebration for me and some pie. <laughs> that sounds like a, a delightful Thanksgiving. What about you? Um, going home, going home for a few days, missing some classes. Whoops. But Is there, does Louisiana do Thanksgiving different? Uh, not so much. Um, sometimes my mom will make something a little local, like crawfish pie or, Ooh. uh, yeah, some or like a shrimp dish or something. Some, well, you enjoy your pie, and I'll enjoy my pie, and we'll come back and talk about it. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, what story do you have this week? I reported two stories this week. One is about a mural, one is about a student protester, but both are about the lingering impacts of historical violence surrounding the country of Turkey. Interesting. Let's hear it. Every year, the University of Minnesota has an event called Paint the Bridge, where dozens of student groups paint a mural on the Washington Avenue Bridge that advertises their group. After this year's Paint the Bridge, Alex Yanellis, a grad student studying behavioral genetics, got a call from a friend about one of the murals. It was painted by the Turkish American Student Association. I thought the mural was beautiful. And the mural is kind of what you'd expect. It's an outline of Minnesota with a Turkish flag and a map of Turkey. But right next to Turkey, there's a drawing of the country of Cyprus with a line running through the middle. And that detail caught Alex's friend's attention. But it was just this detail that, uh, frankly, put, put a, lo- a lot of people off, uh, me included. That, uh, you know, why would you want to paint a picture of a divided Cyprus? The history between Turkey and Cyprus is fraught with conflict. When we see that... We see this uh, picture of the divided island. It's something that's very deep into our collective memory, you know, as as a nation, as a people. To understand Alex's deep emotional reaction, we have to dive into the history a bit. In 1974, Greek Cypriots who wanted to annex the island to Greece staged a coup against the president of Cyprus. After his overthrow, Turkey invaded Cyprus and captured the northern half of the island, displacing about 200,000 Greek Cypriots. Turks complete their conquest in Cyprus with an avalanche of shells which destroy deserted buildings. Turkey called the northern half of Cyprus the Turkish Federative State of Cyprus, but was and is the only country to recognize northern Cyprus as a separate political entity. And the divide still holds today. It's called the Green Line, which is 110 miles long. It's made of walls and barbed wire. Its symbolic significance is resonant even among those outside of Cyprus. Alex is from Athens and grew up hearing about this history. We are also, as uh, Greeks from mainland Greece, very much worried about it because uh, we have relatives that have either fought in the past uh, or well, I know of a lot of people who fought in Cyprus. I have a lot of Cypriot friends. So yeah, it's very personal for me as well. I don't view this as a political act. It's basically something that has to do with uh, me and, you know, it's, it's personal for all of us. You know, it's part of our, our identity that it's been uh, insulted, really. 
Alex wrote an opinion letter to the Minnesota Daily denouncing the mural and asking the Turkish American Student Association to remove the drawing of Cyprus. And this letter is signed by 18 people, students and faculty. I'm Tasula Hajiyani. I'm a faculty at the interior design program of the University of Minnesota. Dr. Hajiyani grew up surrounded by a tight-knit community in northern Cyprus. The, the people were very connected and each village had its own traditions and its own um, um, like sense of identity. For example, Dr. Hajiyani's village had a reputation for being obsessed with cleanliness. Oh my God. Okay, so one joke that we have is that even the rocks on the ground will be dusted. Okay, so everything needs, needs to look pristine. Everything needs to look very um, clean and orderly and organized. Dr. Hajiani's family is Greek, and when Turkey invaded, she had to flee the only home she'd ever known. I do remember us, um, you know, um, hiding in the trees when the Turkish airplanes flew over to protect ourselves, right, from, from that. And then I do remember loading up um, in cars and um, the exodus. We heard what happened to the villages before us, how they killed um, all the men that they found in the village, a lot of women, you know, raped and all of that and all the destruction. So we decided to flee before they came. She escaped safely, but carried the weight of family members who were still missing. It's, it's incredible because there were 16, 19, 1,619 people missing um, from the uh, war. And um, a lot of people uh, still don't know where what happened to their loved ones. And one of those people was my father's cousin. What happened was that he was engaged to this beautiful girl who never remarried. Never. She stayed single. And what they found, be, be ready to hear this, was the bone with his wedding band on. That's what they found, and that's what they had to bury. But it was almost a testament to his love for her. You know, I want to cry when I say that because it's, it's so powerful, right, to have... Um, he, because this woman never remarried. We all know her, you know, she's part of the family. Um, but um, um, it was a testament that he loved her too. So what was her reaction to the mural? To her, this was another instance in which the history of Cyprus was being forgotten. And it's like a wound reopening. I mean, my parents, they were left with nothing with three kids, right, that they had to raise. They had to rebuild, uh, having to rebuild your life. After a war like that is um, very traumatic. It doesn't get better. It's not like, um, so, and every time you talk about it or something happens, it's visceral. It's visceral. So with this mural, what what do you want to see? Like, what are your next steps that you want to see happen? Well, ideally, they could just draw them up of Turkey. That's fine, right? No problem with that. And so erase Cyprus. Don't include um, Cyprus. Uh, on a map of Turkey, mm-hmm. that's a little bit that's a little bit um, taking it to the next level. I mean, that's almost like uh, in a way disregarding um, UN rules and disregarding um, all kinds of of understandings of what makes a country and what makes a border and um, how how the world in a way functions. Even how did the Turkish American Student Association respond? 
They repeatedly declined my request to comment for this story. However, they did write their own response letter, which is published on the Minnesota Daily website. I'll read part of it. Our intention with the mural was to strive for an authentic representation of the students who are part of our organization. We include both the maps of Turkey and Cyprus. For our Turkish and Turkish Cypriot members, express a desire to show where they come from on our mural this year. In our painting of Cyprus, our Turkish Cypriot member included the United Nations buffer zone in Cyprus. Cyprus has had a Turkish Cypriot population well before 1974. The letter overlooks the violence that precedes the events of 1974 and fails to consider all angles of the incidents. We request the writers to be objective in their judgment. Unfortunately, the letter reaches biased conclusions about our group based on the current political atmosphere. References to the political role of Turkey in the Middle East in the letter are misleading. TASA is a cultural group, and we are not representatives of the Turkish government and their policies. Therefore, we request not to be affiliated with arguments that arise from politics. Our second story begins at the Bernie Sanders rally that happened here a couple weeks ago. Thank you, Minneapolis! Representative Ilhan Omar was there to give a speech in support of Senator Sanders. Many young supporters rallied for Sanders and Omar, but one student arrived with a different message for Representative Omar on a sign. Yeah, it said, um, Ilhan, there is academic consensus that the Armenian genocide happened. Mm -hmm. And I did underline the is. This is Matt Wallow. I am from Los Angeles, California. I'm currently an undergraduate student here at the University of uh, Minnesota. Um, I study history. And yeah, so my interest is in Armenian genocide. Los Angeles has a robust Armenian community, and Matt grew up immersed in the culture. The one thing I do identify um, with the Armenian culture is they have a profuse love of their history. Um, And it's something that I deeply respect. Um, It was something that I think I could identify with. So what does Ilhan Omar have to do with this? On October 29th, the House of Representatives passed a resolution condemning the Armenian genocide as a way to rebuke Turkey for attacking the Kurds. It passed overwhelmingly, 405 to 11, but three legislators voted present, which is the equivalent of saying pass. And one of those legislators was Representative Ilhan Omar. And why would she do that? She responded to the question in a statement. Here's part of it. I believe accountability for human rights violations, especially ethnic cleansing and genocide, is paramount. But accountability and recognition of genocide should not be used as a cudgel in a political fight. It should be done based on academic consensus, outside the push and pull of geopolitics. A true acknowledgement of historical crimes against humanity must include both the heinous genocides of the 20th century, along with earlier mass slaughters like the transatlantic slave trade and Native American genocide, which took the lives of hundreds of millions of indigenous people in this country. For this reason, I voted present. So it sounds like she's saying two things. One, she acknowledges that this genocide occurred, but doesn't want to do that here as some kind of political move. And two, that... We have a lot of work to do to recognize genocides that happened a lot closer to home. Right. And for Matt, who is dedicating his career to studying the Armenian genocide, that was unacceptable. That was a 
very wrong statement because it's almost implying as if you know there isn't an academic consensus as if most uh, uh, most trustworthy uh, scholars and academics don't recognize that there was a genocide and actually historically speaking that sort of language has been used by the Turkish government to um, rationalize denying recognition of the genocide. He agrees that our country has not recognized other genocides, like Representative Omar says. But he argues that that shouldn't keep us from naming the Armenian genocide when the opportunity arises. I'm going to use a quote from uh, Adolf Hitler. Um, And I don't want to quote him very often, but I think it's very relevant for this situation. So on August 22nd, 1939, uh, regarding the invasion of Poland, he says, quote, who after all today speaks of the annihilation of the Armenians? Now, um, that quote is very powerful because he's essentially saying in that quote that he can get away with what he wants to get away um, with because uh, the Armenian genocide was never talked about or never widely discussed. And I do think that's a very important historical lesson because while not many people may be familiar with the Armenian genocide, I'm sure many people are familiar with who Adolf Hitler is or who he was and what he tried to accomplish um, in terms of the Holocaust. And um, from that, I think it's important to say that, um, you know, if, if we don't recognize these crimes against humanity, it's a very slippery slope because um, it only further encourages uh, future genocides to happen or future perpetrators to feel as if they can get away with Uh, such actions. Matt wasn't the only one who felt like he needed to correct the record on what is academic consensus. My name is Alejandro Baer and um, I'm an associate professor in the sociology department and I also direct the Center for Holocaust and Genocide Studies. Dr. Baer wrote a letter to the Star Tribune also condemning Representative Omar's vote. There is a problem of genocide denial, of lack of acknowledgement that the genocide occurred, and that's uh, particularly a problem in present-day Turkey. And it has been a present, uh, it has been a problem throughout uh, decades since the events happened. But uh, there is not an academic um, a debate regarding the, uh, the the Armenian genocide because there is uh, there is full acknowledgement and consensus that those crimes constitute genocide. And just a month ago, the center hosted an exhibit with St. Sahag Armenian Church in St. Paul. It's a hopeful day for, for all Armenians, and especially for descendants of survivors, since we don't have survivors anymore. That's Father Tadeos Barsegian, St. Sehag's pastor. For him, the resolution was a long overdue move, but he holds hope that people will learn about Armenian culture and history moving forward. It is especially difficult for survivors and for descendants when going after to something horrific like or like genocide, then you, you after that you need to prove to somebody that it happened to you, <laughs> that it happened to your descendant uh, ancestors, that it happened to, uh, to others. For the church, the University of Minnesota has been an important partner to educate the community about this not often discussed piece of history. And student involvement in, in these issues are really, really important because, uh, uh, because uh, you... Uh, 
you show that you understand these issues, you show that you uh, you care about these issues, and, and you're going to carry them further and champion them in the future as well. By the way, within the past two weeks, Senator Lindsey Graham blocked a request to get the resolution to condemn the Armenian genocide passed in the Senate. So for now, it hangs in the balance. Here's the rest of the U's news. The Gopher football team's longest winning streak in over a hundred years was ended last Saturday by University of Iowa. The Gophers lost 23 to 19, bringing the team's record to nine and one. Quarterback Tanner Morgan is in concussion protocol after two back-to-back sacks caused his early exit from the game in the fourth quarter. He's still listed as a starter in this Saturday's game against Northwestern. Healthy shakes are coming to Dinkytown. Positive Vibes Nutrition is set to open this week on the same block as Annie's Parlor and Purple Onion Cafe. The store will offer shakes, teas, energy drinks, and power bars. The owner says he hopes to give students, in particular athletes and Greek Life members, a healthy dining option. This week's episode of In the Know was produced and edited by me, Luke Diamond, and was reported by Tiffany Bui. Our intro music is by J.D. Duggan. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And also check out the Minnesota Daily Sports Podcast, the weekly rundown hosted by our sports editor, Paul Hodawanik. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening.